Hello and welcome to the Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm today's host, Matthias Altman Kurosaki, and I am joined today by Alex Clark and Joe Boric. Uh, first things first, guys, how's everybody doing? Doing well. Always excited to talk uh, some baseball, especially since the thunderstorms and windstorm has finally passed from my area. We have amazing weather right now here on the West Coast over here in Washington. We've actually been hitting 80 degrees, which is just absolutely bonkers for this. But we've been seeing hot baseball here in Seattle, and I am excited to get to talk. It feels like it's been forever since we actually got back on the mic to do this. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, Joe, I'm not too far from you um, here in New Jersey. It is... It was uh, looking pretty bad for a second. It was sunny when I woke up. Then the wind and the rain started coming, and it, it looked like it was never going to stop. But there, it looks like there's a break in the clouds now, and uh, you know it's back to being baseball weather. So obviously, it has been uh, a couple weeks, as you pointed out, Alex, since we last recorded. But you know, there's been plenty of baseball to talk about, and you know, last week, uh, over the last, I'd say, week and a half, there have been a couple of uh, notable pitching performances. Uh, we had two no-hitters thrown. We had Joe Musgrove of the Padres. He no-hit the Texas Rangers. That was the first no-hitter in Padres history. And then we had Carlos Rodon, who almost had a perfect game. He threw a no-hitter against the Indians. So two fantastic uh, pitching performance. You know, that, that would, that's uh, going to be our first uh, talking point today. Uh, guys, uh, what were your thoughts on on these guys' performances? So well, when it comes oh, to okay, yeah. So uh, first of all, I'll talk about is actually Rondon's, just because I feel like that is the one that has been getting a lot of controversy lately. Because nothing that Rondon did, Rondon threw an amazing outing, but again, when it came to Perez not moving his foot out of the way and then taking a hit by pitch, which ended the perfect game that he was working, he was I believe one out away from. And then gets the hit by pitch. Then next batter grounds out to get the no hitter. Which again, yeah, you're still in baseball immortality. Well, real but quick, Alex, before you go on, do you think he could have got out of the way because that was a coming inside slider? Some people say he could have. Yeah, other people say I, that. I'm not. I'm not like. That, yeah. Like I've said, I'm not like. I'm not incriminating anybody on this. Just because I'm just saying that this is what happened. I'm just saying what what happened is that Perez got his foot hit. And I'm not blaming Perez, and I'm not blaming Rondon on it. But the, also the fact of the matter is, if that is not a hit by pitch, if he did not hit him, there's a chance this is a perfect game. And uh, so again, like I think that he very well, could, I think he could have gotten in the way. I don't. There's also a lot of things where maybe he couldn't have. The reason why the rule in the book states of even making an attempt to get out of the way is that these people are working with pitches that can range anywhere from 60 to 105 miles an hour. So trying to judge anything is <laughs> dang near impossible. But uh, so on that one. I think overall, what, one of the things I really want to bring up when it comes to this is that a lot of people are, I, I don't want to say downplaying Rondon, but I'll, I'll say this. When he came to Seattle in the White Sox series, I was part of all the Mariner groups and everyone was yelling their heads off, just seeing why are we not hitting this five, this number five starter? Why are we not just absolutely demolishing this guy? As he threw an amazing outing and just watching him pitch Something just seems different about it when I was watching that outing against Seattle. And then you put that here. I'm like, you know what? I, I was one of the few people that was like, you know what? There's something else going on here. This isn't just us 
this isn't just the Mariners not hitting. This is this is a this guy is something good. He's been good here, and to see that he threw a no hitter lid on just fully validates my claim I had on it. But you know, I think on this one, it's well earned, well deserved. I think when it comes down to all of it for Rondon, it's definitely going to help the White Sox going forward for like just to have him going forward into that rotation. But the no hitter perfect game thing, it is that he didn't get to the perfect game, but at least he still etched his name in history with the no hitter. Yeah, I think for him too, it's just brilliant to see. They were talking about it. Um, when I was listening to the broadcast, because I put it on towards the back half when I got that no-hitter update that MLB gives you um, for the last few innings. And before they cut it off on MLB TV, Jason Benetti and um, whoever, I'm blanking on their, um, Steve Lyons, I think. is Steve, Steve, Steve Stone, Steve Stone. Steve Stone, yeah, Steve Stone, yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, and they were talking about how he wasn't even – they were debating whether to bring him back and then they decided to bring him back because he has a familiarity with the team and all that. And they liked what they were seeing from him working his way back. And that's obviously the other than a perfect game. That's the most rewarding thing you can get for your hard work of working your way back to wanting to get to the thing, doing the thing you love, which is pitching on a major league baseball field. So it was great uh, for him as a great story to see him get that for that reason too, of showing that I guess the key word would be perseverance and a work ethic of working his way back to then be able to pitch like that when he was once a top regarded prospect when he first came up for the White Sox. So if he's now fully healthy, he came back and pitched a solid game, struggled with five walks, but still got eight strikeouts and battled through it against the Indians um, afterwards. So he still only has a .47 ERA now. So if he can continue to pitch really well as a bottom of the rotation guy, this is a guy that definitely has a chance to start bringing his uh, career back um, in terms of things which we have seen from other pitchers in the past as well. So I'm just very happy for that reason he was able to get this done as well. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I was thinking along the same lines, Joe. Um, you know, this is a guy, Rodon, I remember he. I remember uh, entering the 2014 draft. He was one of the, uh, he was one of the best uh, pitchers uh, available, and he was, I'm pretty sure, the top collegiate arm. He went to NC State. And the White Sox took him third overall. And uh, the expectation was that he was going to be on the fast track to the majors and that he was going to be the future ace. He was going to be the next Chris Sale for, um, uh, you know, a hard-throwing lefty who, you know, has great stuff. And unfortunately, he's had a fair share of injuries. And it was, it, it you know, it he struggled. He struggled mightily. And his velocity... You know, in 2016, his fastball averaged about 94 miles per hour. But then by 2019, he his four seamer had dropped all the way to 91. And uh, by then he needed Tommy John surgery. He had shoulder problems. Uh, and like you said, last year, the White Sox non tender him after the season. I mean, I not many people expected him to stay with the White Sox. He he, you know. He he struggled so mightily that we didn't know who was going to sign him, and then see him in that ninth inning throwing in the high nineties. I didn't even know he could hit the high nineties, and then he was throwing ninety nine in the ninth inning. And to see him uh, put a performance like that together, I mean, that was just amazing to see. I'm really happy for him. Uh, hopefully, this is just the beginning of you know sort of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, sort of like a, a resurgence for him uh, or 
because a, a storybook in a way. Yeah, it is because you know this is a guy who he's had so many injuries, and now it seems like he's finally getting his stuff back together. So hopefully for Rodon, this is not just a one start thing, and um, that he continues to have success. So congrats to him. Uh, you know he he did what he got he had to do. He had a little bit of help in that ninth inning from the umpire, and he. Did have a close call on the Josh Naylor ground ball to first, but you know he he kept his composure, he got it done. So, you know, congrats to him. Uh, and now I I I say we uh, move on and talk about Joe Musgrove's no hitter. What are you guys' thoughts on him? Congratulations to Musgrove and to the entire Padres organization, as it was the very first ever no hitter in that organization's organization's history. And I mean, but a lot of great arms that have gone through the Padres and the fact that Joe Musgrove is, what was it, his first start in San Diego? It was his second start, I oh, think, sec- for the Padres. Second start. But in one of this, that's one of those starts that makes you just be like, all right, we made the right choice in signing this guy. Which again, Musgrove's a great pitcher, don't get me wrong, but he's not the arm of like, say, a Cole or a DeGrom. But, you know, he's a good arm. He's a great, he's a pretty good pitcher. And that's one of the funniest things when it comes to a no-hitter in general is you never know who's going to throw one. Anyone technically with the right set of conditions can throw a no-hitter. There was one that happened, I'll get the name for it in just a moment, in Seattle uh, Seattle the same year that Felix threw his perfect game. Philip, Philip Umber? Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, Philip Umber. For, former former Mets top game. prospect Philip Umber, yeah. Uh, this is a lot to every time I every time I bring up something you always uh somehow you always somehow make it about the Mets and I love that. Yeah, um, well the Met, the Mets traded him for uh Johan Santana. That's how I remember him. Ah, yes. Um Well that uh, worked out well. Literally, like not sarcastically that worked out. Oh yeah, no, that actually, yeah. <laughs> so Phil Palmer has had one thing in his career book, but you know what? Good good for him. The twenty second perfect game in major league baseball history. But um, when you look at Musgrove, like he's not he's again, he's not the Cole, he's not the DeGrom, but, you know, he is a pretty highly touted pitcher. And the fact that we're seeing this from him, I honestly could say nothing but just congratulations to him on it because it's well deserved. And for the whole Padres organization, they were the last baseball organization in our current ones that we have here to not throw up a no hitter. So, you know, what? good for them. It's a win win for. Everybody except the other team. Yeah, for me, this was, again, more of a, I come at it from the sentimental side of the dude grew up in, I'm going to miss, maybe mispronounce it, but El Cajon, California, I would think is the way you say that. We're going to go with that if it's uh, not. Yeah, yeah, correct, um, correct. Okay, perfect. Um, and he grew up a Padres fan. Um, and now you get to throw and make history with the team you grew up cherishing which is great to see for me. And uh, he's continued to pitch great his, this season. He's 2-2 two and two with a 104 and 37 strikeouts and a .54 whip in 26 innings. So both him and Radon don't have – the only reason I bring that side up is I hate when people say, oh, sometimes people have hangovers after they throw no hitters. It's like, no, those are the guys like the Phillip Umbers who are not great pitchers overall that just somehow miraculously throw a no hitter or Galarraga who should have one if it wasn't for a certain umpire. Um, but – uh, like, those are those guys. Guys that are actually good are going to continue to pitch good. But 
I'm just happy for him to be able to get it done and most importantly, get it done for his hometown squad. Yes, it was in Texas, but he still got it done for the team he cherished and grew up uh, admiring. And now he throws their first no hitter um, for them. That's that's just great to see where the other stat I found out when it came to the no hitters that was the most interesting for me is the White Sox are second all time in no hitters. <laughs> I did not know that until Rodon threw his no hitter. They got their first, and then the White Sox are second all-time with 20. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Padres definitely have had their, uh, their run of futility. I mean, they have not enjoyed a ton of success in their franchise's history. And for Musgrove, I mean, Joe, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, he grew up a Padres fan. He's from uh, El Cajon. He... Was he was a Jake Peavy fan? Who uh, Jake Peavy is one of the most successful pitchers in Padres history, and he never threw a no hitter. Uh, you know, Musgrove wears number forty four because Peavy wore it, and for him to get this done, he just he had a phenomenal performance. You know, and also this was, goes for him and for Rodon is that both these guys only allowed one base runner, and they were both hit by pitches. Um, uh, Musgrove hit Joey Gallo with a pitch, and that just that was it really i mean uh he allowed a couple of hard hit balls but not really uh in the ninth inning david Dahl hit a hard line drive but it was right at jake cronenworth and uh you know he was locked in all game he had all of his pitches working his breaking ball his fastball he was he was rolling from the get-go and yeah he followed it up by striking out 13 in his last outing setting career high so i mean he's I think he's for real. He showed he showed he's making great progress. And now that he's been traded to a contending team, I think that he's going to continue to succeed. And so, you know, the Padres, they get their first first no hitter in franchise history. Um, I remember when the, the Mets used, uh, went there, had their lengthy drought without a no hitter. Now the Padres have theirs, their, their first, um, you know, we have two no hitters. Uh, within the first week and a half of the season, that's pretty impressive. You know, we're also at a a point in time where a lot of managers will take out their pitchers uh, too early in games. So I was honestly wondering if both these guys would even have the opportunity to complete their no hitters. But I'm really glad they did, and I really hope these are not the last no hitters that we see this season. Um, so any yeah, other closing? Well, speaking yeah. of uh, my closing thought is since we're talking about no hitters, guys that yeah. just miss perfect games. Trivia question for you all, and I'm going to ask it to Mac first because if Alex doesn't know this, I might kill him. Um, but <laughs> what, what? But um, what? That should be a hint. What? What is the last perfect game in Major League Baseball? And by what pitcher was it thrown for what it team? Was, uh, yes, F- Felix Hernandez in 2012, the Mariners. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, um, could, didn't know that there would have been issues. So. Wait, yeah. is Felix Hernandez? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, it's been a while. I'll say this real quick here. I have, like, when that perfect game happened, I was on the bus. I wasn't even able to watch it. I was on the bus to go see some uh, friends over. Um, I was on the bus to go use a ferry to go see someone on an island. And I was, like, people on the bus were, like, starting to chant a little bit and were, like, ba- like banging their feet on the ground. I'm like, what's going on right now? And I finally, I checked my MLB app, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening right now? I finally go home. 
as I finally am able to get home, I didn't get to see any part of the game. But um, of course, I was a kid. I was much younger at the time. My mom picks me up and goes like, "Did you hear about Felix?" I'm like, "Yeah, he threw a perfect game." And she's like, "Why? Well, yeah, I know, right?" And I said, "I'm going to make a prediction here. He threw 12 strikeouts in it." And I was exactly right on the dot without even like seeing it. Just being like, that just seems like the amount of total that he would have for a perfecto, which I mean, for that perfect game as well, there was so much that had to happen in order to make that happen. I mean, the very first out of that game was an Eric Thames out in right field, making a running grab at right center field into the shadows. Like, and for a perfect Thames game. People running, Eric. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, Eric Thames playing the outfield. Yeah. yeah. God. I mean, most people remember him as a first baseman, and some people may not even remember him from before he um he came back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned the strikeouts. So that's my one last thought on both of these guys. Um, you know, especially Musgrove, he generated a lot of uh, swing and misses. You know, we see. Some no hitters where it's like, well, they were getting by with like, you know, junk stuff. Uh, last year, Alec Mills threw a no hitter and he only had five swings and misses uh, in the entire game. And we see guys like Musgrove, I'm pretty sure is, I saw he had like 23 or something. He had 10 strikeouts. Rodon had eight strikeouts, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, th- these guys were just straight up dominant. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, they walked five guys or. Was it AJ Burnett, who I believe walked like eight uh, in his uh, his no hitter? Edwin Jackson, who threw 149 yeah, Edwin pitches. Jackson was like 150 pitches. I was gonna yeah. say he's the prime example. Of yeah, that. it was 149 pitches, and he just happened to throw a no hitter against a team yeah. that won 97 games. Also, um, you know, and in the it's it was just phenomenal performances all around. So you would be crucified by um, certain people on television, Brian Kenny. Um, today, now I love Brian Kenny, but I'm just saying today, if you left a guy in there to throw a no hitter for 150 pitchers, like, well, yeah, that, that, that would never yeah. happen nowadays. Yeah, that I mean, can't you know, I'm saying, you know, no, but if you did, I'm saying, like, even if like you were manager and said, I'm not going to let him lose, if he loses no hitter, I'll take him out. I'm not, we're just going to ride it. Like, he would still, like, you would still have so many guys nowadays that look at you like, why did you do that? Where, like, people, like, the old school people would be like, yeah, right on, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not, I'm not surprised that, um, that Tony LaRusso left in Rodon because LaRusso is a very old school manager. So, um, oh, yeah, he probably could have been at 120 pitches. You would have been like, yeah, kids. Oh, yeah, know. he 100% would have <laughs> left him in because that's the era he came from. Um, so anyway, um, I think uh, that just about wraps up what we had on the no hitters. Um, so um, there have been a few, you know, surprises, I'd say, throughout the league this year. Uh, which one do you guys uh, – want to talk about which one really sticks out to you guys because i know there's been a number it's only two weeks in two two and a half weeks in the season so i'm sure there there have been a number that have uh, really caught your guys' eyes i mean your mercedes will continue to urinate everywhere and will continue and will destroy the league from it yeah fourth <laughs> in the league fourth in the league at 390 right behind xander bogart who's at 393 and Max's best friend, Brandon Nimmo, who's at uh, 395, and then Ronald Acuna, who's not any of our best friends because he's a rival of Mac and I, and then I don't know how Alex feels about it. I actually, like, oh, I actually like the Braves a lot. So. Um, 
Oh, okay, well, yeah. The, well, okay. My Braves are my second team purely because when I was a kid, I grew up loving Chipper Jones. Okay, fair, so, fair, fair. Okay, and then fair. on top of that, after Chipper Jones, it was Craig Kimbrell. So, uh, yeah, no, that makes yeah, sense. like the Red Sox for me were because of my dad's business trips, and then also the fact of Poppy and um, like other people. Um, Wester, I always liked as soon as he came into the league, and then you have Manny being Manny. Mm-hmm. So those help too. I just love the idea that you take a look right now at the batting leaders in the entire MLB, and you expect to see some big names there. So, you know, in first place, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, you kind of expected Brendan Nimmo. You know, he's he's a good ball player. He's been around for a bit. Xander Bogarts, again, he's known for getting for getting on base. Then you see Yerman Mercedes there, and you're like, oh, the what, excuse? <laughs> and him at number four. And then you know who's number five? In the in the MLB batting average right now, Mike Trout, Yerman Mercedes, Yerman Mercedes has a higher batting average right now than Michael Aloysius Trout. That's, that's uh, actually his middle name. No, his middle name is Nelson. I'm oh, aware. Okay. Yes, I was just I was yes. just putting a little inflection with it. Yeah, uh, oh, shout out to De- shout out to Denk Ops, but um. Like, just, I love seeing this. These are the kinds of stories that, like, as, like, journalists, we love to see. Why is this guy here? How is he doing this? It breaks all levels of baseball logic. Because you see a guy that's been in the minors forever, that has not done much of anything, they bring him up to be a third, basically an emergency catcher, and, like, you know what, you've you've paid your dues. You can start an opening day, and that gets four hits. And, like, okay, well, I guess you can start again. You got five hits. Oh, yeah, sorry, five hits, yeah. All right, I guess you can start again. And then he does it again. He goes eight for eight. It isn't until his ninth try that he finally does not get a base hit. And it's just, that's one thing that you love about the beginning of the season. Anything can happen. You can see a guy that has not played more than one at bat in his entire baseball career at the major league level come into one season. Now he's batting higher than the best baseball in potentially by the end of when it's all done, the greatest of all time. Well, uh, you know, uh, the Angels are playing right now as we record it. Uh, obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 21st, and Trout uh, hit a home run, so he is now uh, he is now at 396, which it's Mike Trout, whatever. So which now still, he's now he's number six in the and uh, number second in the league, right yeah, behind well, Kuda, right above Nemo. Yeah, well, regardless, Mercedes. Uh, he even came in and pitched an inning uh, the other day when the yeah. White and Sox like name blown out on Patriots Day. Yeah, and I know. I mean, this is a guy who was a – he's a 28-year-old rookie who it basically made the roster as a third-string catcher, and now he's carved out uh, himself a regular role in the White Sox lineup. You know, sure, he's not batting a 1,000 anymore, but still, it would be hitting 390. He's slugging – 661 he's four homers and by the way those home runs have been pretty monstrous he hit one 485 feet which if i'm not mistaken is still the longest home run of the year um you don't do this by chance i mean this guy can clearly hit and i cannot wait to see what he does the rest of the year um sure it's still early but man if this guy keeps hitting uh if the white Sox are able to figure out their pitching this team is going to be very dangerous and I think Mercedes is going to be a big reason why. So, you know, hopefully this is not just a fluke. I know we've seen hot starts Peter out before and, you know, 
some people we just never hear from again. But, you know, I hope he he continues to rake. And, man, this th- he's been one of the bi- – uh, I think he might be the biggest story so far uh, this season. Oh, 100%. Other than like, the no-hitters. 1,000%. Yeah, other than the no-hitters. I, I, yeah. sure, I, would, I would even put it above the no-hitters. Just because, yeah, honestly, no hitters happen every single year. Like, there's always going to be some no hitters, and you're like, yep, you give them the respect, do do do. But very rarely do you see a guy that has one professional at bat come into the league the next year, gets almost a pity start on opening day, and then goes eight for eight. You don't see that. That has not happened. And now the fact that we are what, we're now nearly a month into the season and he's still doing it? He's still hitting almost 400? That's... We take a look into last season. Here, the White Sox right now, just to kind of give a little more, like, kind of idea for how this works here. For the Chicago White Sox at this exact moment have played a grand total of 18 games. All right, that's 9 and 9. 18 games is a little less than a third of the entire season last year. Were those in the short and 16 he, games? You know, he's hitting almost 400. Like, yeah. I and mean, he, he already has one player of the week <laughs> under his belt. And it, Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Mercedes... Yeah, he's tearing the cover off the ball, but, uh, you know, has anyone else uh, caught your guys' eyes? You know, this could be in a a good way or or a bad way, which is like, you know, just in general. Who who else has really stood out? This could also be just like a team as a whole. Well, for me, player-wise, just because obviously the two divisions, uh, well, four divisions, I like watching the Western Division and then the East Division, so the four I watch the most. But Wendell all of a sudden went from – the, the Rays saying, yeah, this is our p- platoon guy, which they called him before the season, to now being like, yeah, we're not going to take you out of the lineup until you stop hitting 356. Um, and then Flag Guerrero's whole thing was make more contact, get the bat on the ball better, get to keep doing this better for us. Well, he started the season as eighth, hitting 368 um, on the season uh, thus far and has 11 RBI. So those are guys that that Wendell is a guy that's just been a career journeyman of a role player for his teams actually being able to have a great start. That's a very nice story to see. And then Vladdy actually doing what the team wants and really working hard and working his butt off to get in the better shape this year and then seeing that pan out, working on his swing in the offseason and all that, and now seeing that all pan out to start this season early is uh, two people that just struck me. And then a third guy in the AO is just Cedric Mullins because he actually was a guy that the Orioles wanted to be a top prospect that could be their center fielder. And if you keep seeing him have the two stolen bases, get on base, generate some stuff, feel like he does, maybe he can be that future center fielder for them. Those are just my three guys. I had three guys in mind from watching just the AO East. or Yeah, the AO East a good bit thus far. Yeah, uh, or uh, Alex, uh, go. No, if you know, you want to go for it, go for it. I I only have really two names at the moment, so I'm all right, no, yeah, go 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 ahead. All right, yeah. So two names I'll go with. First one is actually Justin Turner. Justin Turner with the Dodgers, and I know Dodgers, and yeah, Turner's been a good ball player. But the, here's the thing that I find about him is that he's again just one of those ageless wonders. I mean, 
Dang, he's 36 years old right now. And he's hitting a very casual 381 right now. Again, you have still early in the season. Yes, I know. But this guy, I just I keep watching him, and he, he there's just no slowdown from him. He just finds ways to put bat on ball. And I actually, to be fair, I really like seeing it because it's like one of my other favorite players in the league right now, Nelson Cruz, where, again, he's also old and yet still hitting the ball a country mile. And I love seeing it, but it's still, it's something that, like, we, you and I were talking about this earlier, Mac, that it is probably the most casual near 400 hitter I've ever seen. It's just weird to see that every, that when you take a look, he just finds way. okay, I'm going to get a hit. Okay, going to get a hit. Okay, going to get a hit. And to the point where you're like, wait, what's this batting average at again? Almost 400. Oh, my word. And it's really interesting to see. I love seeing it personally because it's just fun to see why is he doing this? How is he defying like mother nature and father time? Like, who are you? Tom Brady. And I love He's also it. second in runs batted in, Alex. Uh, also true. <sighs> again, you're, you're adding to the point. Thank you. Like, again, with 16, are you guys the only uh, one who has above him is J.D. Martinez. The other player, I'm trying to get some stats on him right now. But the other player, and this is actually on a downwards, and I'm going to go against my Mariners right now, and that's Marco Gonzalez. Marco had a good outing his last time out, but his last few have just been disappointing. And the reason why I even bring him up at all is that he is technically the team's ace, especially since uh, James Paxton is out for the season with Tommy John. It's it's fitting that he changed his number to 44, because that's about approximately how many seconds he got to pitch for the Mariners before losing it all again. But looking at Marco Gonzalez, he's looking he's supposed to be a kind of guy he's supposed to be a guy that people are to be rely on as the eights. He has had a lot of good progression over the last couple of years. And his last few outings just has not looked the part. He's looking like he was back when he was a rookie. Or when he first came over to Seattle, where there, where the control quite wasn't quite there, the stamina wasn't quite there, and I know sinker ballers are starting to kind of weed themselves out of the MLB, and he is true the blue a sinker ball pitcher, but there needs to be some sort of rebrand going on with him. There has to be, because you're looking at this guy who is supposed to be your number one. And he's not getting the job done. He had a good out against the Dodgers his last time out, but. Other than that, he has been honestly just bad. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the thing is uh, with Gonzalez that you mentioned he's a sinker baller, and sinkers nowadays are not very effective. Uh, sinkers, you know, they sort of play into the whole launch angle swing. Uh, you know, a lot of people now are low ball hitters. So. I mean, well, instead of the natural sinker, I would say we have to be careful saying sinker because if you still use a good sinking fastball, that oh, no, works no, you, effectively. You, you are correct where, there. Where the, the just the natural sinker, unless if you're Kyle Hendricks, uh, normally doesn't work as fluently nowadays. That that's where I think the difference is. Sinking pitches can work; it just the natural sinker doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. I mean, I think that. We're going to see, you know, we're going to see more four-seam fastballs, though. That's the thing, mm -hmm. is that yeah. not everyone, like, I remember Zach Britton, when he was the closer for the Orioles, he had a wicked sinker. I don't know how anyone would touch it. And it, it 
it worked all right. I mean, it, it was good. It was just that, you know, nowadays people know how to lay off that pitch or people, you know, they look for pitches low in the zone and they're all over it. So, you know, I think, I think that's just one thing that might be just changing in baseball. Uh, but anyways, uh, so, uh, Alex, you actually uh, sort of hit on one of the guys I was going to talk about, which was Nelson Cruz, because he, at age 40, is still uh, just unreal. The dude keeps hitting home runs. Sure, he can't really play the field, but do you really need to play the field when you're hitting, you know, he, he already has four homers this year. He's hitting about 350, slugging over 600. I mean, you he don't really need to. for a reason. Yeah, no, you don't really need to play the field uh, when you're hitting like that. But the other guys I was going to mention, I mean, you also talked about Justin Turner, but uh, I'm going to go with one of his uh, division rivals, Buster Posey. Um, Joe, I know you watched, uh, you you know, your Phillies served up two homers to him yesterday. Um, he now has four on the season. Uh, his He's OPS, the new Ryan Braun. Basically, uh, well, minus the steroids. Uh, no, I meant o- against the Phillies. That's oh, against the Phillies, right. yes. Yeah. Um, his OPS is up above 1,000 to start the year. Um He's hitting 316. He's slugging 632. I'll be all, all, all of his homers have been solo homers, but he's still hitting dingers, um, which is great to see out of a guy who he's it's hard to believe he's 34 now. Um, and, you know, he sat out last season, but it's good to see that he's back and that he can still hit a bit. Um, his defense, you know, I'm sure we're going to see him move to first base more. You know, he's not going to be the same. He can still play some solid defense, but. You know, it's good to see that he can still play well. So that's one guy. And then the other guy who has absolutely lit the world on fire this year is Corbin Burns. Um, I I am honestly at a loss for words with how good he's been to start the year. You know, this was a guy in 2019. He had an 8.82 ERA. He allowed 17 homers in 49 innings, which means he allowed he was averaging three homers allowed per nine innings which is off the charts terrible. But now, you know, last year, sixth in the Cy Young voting, you know, dominant with a 2.1 ERA. And this year, I mean, I don't know if there's a word to describe how good he's been. He's 2-1 and one with a .37 ERA, uh, an NL best 40 strikeouts in 24 innings, a very nice .69 FIP, uh, a .329 whip, He's only allowed eight hits in 24 innings and only one earned run. And um, he's yet to walk a batter, which is a major league record. He's walked and he's struck out 40 batters and walked zero to start the year. Um, I'm sure you guys have plenty of thoughts on Corbin Burns, but so I'll, I'll open the floor to you guys. But he has, you know, I wondered if last year was just a one year thing, but I think he's showing so far that he's for real. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you come in, you're a guy that playing um, some fire another, I don't know why that thing's broken. I didn't, but sorry for that going on in the background. But when you're playing from a guy that's been working and has been a reliever at times to try to work to get his stuff to be starter quality, and has really worked on it, it's great to see him break out in one such an oddity of a season where we've seen some guys. Um, have some other struggles, which understandably so. He broke out in that season and then is further uh, breaking out in this season. Um, And that's just great to see because he's a guy that 
it took a little bit longer to find it, but he just completely fits into the mantra of never give up on uh, guys that have good stuff and have the good work ethic as prospects, where sometimes people just kind of drift away people too quickly. And uh, he's a perfect example, kind of breaking out in his mid-20s, where we see some of the other big pitchers break out in the early 20s, and everybody wants to see that. That's not everybody. He's a perfect example of someone just has kept working at it, and he uh, changed his delivery, and now he's uh, being able to go deep into games as a starter and be very efficient, and the most efficient that we've seen in my entire lifetime uh, to start a season. I've never seen anybody start a season in my lifetime pitching 40 strikeouts to no walks. So uh, he's remarkable and one of the best things I've watched in my entire life when it comes to baseball. I just look at, like, you kind of hit it on that with it. I just love pitchers that find ways to get it done without walking people. Like, right now, get 40 strikeouts to no walks. It's unheard of. Walking people is giving free base runners. And base runners turn into runs very quickly. Again, if you got if you walk a fast guy, and then you give up a double to the gap. That's a run, and you've only given up one hit. I don't like it when when you have pitchers that just give up a billion walks per. That's why I value the strikeout to walk ratio so much. And seeing what Burns has done so far this year has just been just been nothing short of incredible. I love seeing what he did. And even last year, he's been good at limiting the the base on balls and the level of efficiency that he's done it this year, only giving up right now a total of one run over four starts. That's that's stupid. That's incredible. I, I love watching it. It's incredible. Yeah, and you know, look, taking a look at Baseball Savant with his uh, pitch breakdowns, his primary pitch this year has actually been a cutter, and that's uh, it's not any average cutter. It is, uh, its average velocity is 96 miles per hour. Um, I don't think there's too many pitchers who throw a 96 mile per hour cutter with, um, as much movement as his. And, you know, it's got a decent amount of spin about 2,800, 2,800 revolutions per minute. Um, he's, he's using his cutter. He's using a sinker. Uh, his changeup has looked really good. He, heck, he's barely thrown a four-seam fastball, but all of his pitches are are moving like crazy. And, um, you know, he's just – he's turned into one of the best pitchers in baseball. You know, last year he started out the year in the bullpen, and now he's turned himself into the ace of that Brewers staff. I mean, that Brewers pitching staff with him and Brandon Woodruff leading the rotation – it's very, it's really, really good. Um, if only the Brewers had the rest of their roster to pick up the slack, because you know the Brewers overall are a very top-heavy team. But if they keep having Burns and Woodruff go out there and dominate, they're gonna. I think they're gonna contend. And so, you know, this has been something to see. Um, I really wonder how he's gonna play out over the course of the season, because right now. It's just been so fun to watch. Uh, I think he'll definitely challenge Jake, Jacob DeGrom and, um, you know, go for that Cy Young. Um, maybe, you know, creep up into those. Uh, he, he honestly, by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top five or top ten pitcher in baseball. Uh, that's just how good he's been. Uh, so uh, have there been any has, has there been anyone else that you really think has uh, stuck out thus far? 
just to stick with pitchers, the one for me, just because he's another guy that had to come back after struggling at the start of his career, is uh, Cesar Valdez with um, Baltimore, because he struggled in 2010 mightily with Arizona, then tried to pitch in 17 with Oakland and Toronto and still had 964, 675, and then came back last year, uh, similarly to Burns, not in the same capacity, but as a reliever broke out, in a one two six ERA, and now this year um, has a point nine six is two and zero, oh, um, and is pitching uh, really well with a point eight five seven uh, walks and hits per innings pitched. Um, and in his last seven days, his uh, WHIP is a point three three. Um, so he's just been continuing to do well this year. And when it comes to a guy that comes back at the age of thirty five, similarly to Mercedes, you just don't expect. You're just like. It's nice to see him working his way back. I'm happy to see a guy working his way back, but what do you expect much from him? And to see what he did last year and now is starting at the end of this year, he has a very good uh, change and uh, off-speed pitch there with the change. I mean, it's just impressive to me to see a guy come back in his mid-30s and be able to get it done. It would be similar to if all of a sudden Casimir actually pitches well for the Giants this year. Like, you don't expect that really to happen when a guy comes back in their mid to late 30s. So that was just nice to see. Yeah, Valdez, you know, he's 36. Uh, he is a change-up artist. And, uh, you know, he has that Orioles closers role for now. So hopefully uh, he does keep it going because it has been a nice story to watch. Uh, currently, he leads the AL in saves. I don't think that means anything, but uh, he has four of them to start the year, and he's only allowed one earned run through nine of third innings with 10 strikeouts. So, um Good stuff out of Cesar, and uh, hopefully yeah, the saves this, this isn't the end of it. Yeah, yeah. the saves number for him is not going to be what I'm looking at at the end of the season for how good he uh, is. No, Obviously, I, I yeah, Balt- yeah. yeah Baltimore is going to balance out eventually, um, unless if the universe just shifted to a different one all of a sudden. Well, yeah, you um, never know. Yeah. So I feel like it'll be more his ERA and whip is what I'll be looking for, and his uh, strikeouts to walk uh, ratio, like Alex was saying earlier, and then that's how I would judge him because he's a guy right now would easily be trade bait for them um, at the deadline if he keeps doing this for many teams would want a guy like him. Yeah, one hundred percent. Alex, is anyone else, or should we uh, should we move on? I'm all right to move on. I, I I'll just give a name that I've also been liking to see, and that's just I like seeing that Glasnow is still doing well as Tyler Glasnow should be. I I know that there is a lot there's a lot of talk for players that kind of hit that wall where they they uh, get into a major problem where for Glasnow it was losing a World Series, but I just like seeing that younger pitchers can still come out and do really well even after having some stuff that can really hit hard mentally. So you know, good on Glasnow that he's still showing up well early on. Yeah, uh, Glasnow has been fantastic. Um, the uh, the other was it uh last week when they're facing the rangers he almost tied the franchise record he uh he struck out 14 uh in seven and two thirds and that was definitely fantastic to watch but anyways thought we move on uh you know looking at the standings right now we uh look at our division leaders we have uh the red Sox are leading the al east with the royals leading the al central and as of right now, the A's and the Mariners are tied atop the AL West. And then in the National League, we have the Mets leading the NL East, albeit they've only played 12 games, but they're leading the NL East. The 
Reds and Brewers are tied atop the Central. And in the West, the as expected, the heavy favorite, the defending world champions, Dodgers, are leading the West at 14-4. and four. Uh, So taking a look at who's uh, up top right now, who are we buying into right now? You know, the the A's, you know, they were one and seven. Now they've won 10 in a row. Uh, you know, the the Red Sox lost their first three. Now they've won 12 and 15, including they won uh, nine in a row. Like, who, who, who of these guys, do you, who of these teams do you think will actually sustain this lead? Alex, you can go first if you want, because I'm yeah. thinking right now. If there's any team right now, like, so there's the obvious ones that I think are going to stay, like the Dodgers. When you have the best run differential and just overall the best team, you're probably going to keep a hold of the West. Um, I would say another team that I think is, I wouldn't say fully for real, but uh, is definitely still up there is the Oakland A's. Oakland A's, they have a very good ball club. I'm really impressed with their team. I don't know. No, I don't know if they'll be able to do it next year, but in the AL West, which is, albeit very weak and for, for, for a lot of talent, I think the A's have a good shot to at least stay atop the rankings. I had them at the beginning of the season pegged as the number two team in the, so in the division, but you know, I think they could fall. I, but I think legitimately that they are going to stay probably around the second, maybe even number one spot. Um, and then, I, as much as I hate to say it, Seattle is a pretender right now. The reason they've done one thing they've done a really good job of is winning close games. They've done a really good job of winning close games. As you actually take a look, I'm actually going to use the saves stat for this one. The Mariners actually have as a team some of the most saves in all of baseball. In fact, you take a look at the numbers; they have seven saves uh, right now on the season, just behind the Dodgers and the Padres. They've been winning close ball games, which is what you have to do in order to keep going forward and in order to keep progressing, is you have to be able to win those one-two run games. But you look at this talent that they have, and I'm not quite sure if I buy it. They've played really good, tough-nosed baseball over the last what over the last 18 days. They've lost a good they did lose some some pretty bad ones. I'm not gonna doubt that. But the thing I like about this team is that they have been shown to fight where they really score their runs in the latter half of games. But that, again, that's a slippery slope because it can also mean that if you don't score at the beginning, then you just get down and you just keep falling farther, farther back. So with this team, even though more than likely there's talk that uh, top prospect Jerry Kelnick will be up uh, before mid-May, I don't know if this team is able to, to sustain where they're at, especially since I think the Astros are going to come up more. The Angels are on a great tear right now. And the, like I just said, the Athletics are a good team. I don't think the Mariners are going to stay on this top spread for a while. I don't think so. Well, since you don't think your Mariners will stay on the top, Alex, I'm just wondering, what do you think will be the underlining, like the most defining reason they would fall back into where you thought they would be originally when we did the standing projections? I'm just curious. One word, pitching. Okay, they do I not have pitching. Yeah. So right now, they addressed a good little bit of it in the offseason by signing James Paxton. They have other guys like Rafael Montero, Kenyon Middleton. They have some, some guys, but again, Paxton la- lasted about 44 seconds before 
his arms start hurting and it turns out he's out for the season with Tommy John. Then you have Middleton, who's been all right. It hasn't been great. But the team has been doing closer by committee because no one seems to know who could be the closer. Montero has done good, I will say, but they... The, the bullpen just does not have quality arms. As much as I hate saying it, they really just don't have them compared to the rest of baseball. And that's overall what's going to kill the team. That's what killed the team a lot in the short 60-game season. was Because, again, if you remember back for a while when we were doing the West podcast, they were actually having a time... There was a time where they were really striding up the rankings. And it's like, wow, they're doing pretty good. There's a legitimate chance they could make this weird playoff ranking. And then, no. And the reason why is because they were able to score runs, yeah, but no pitching to do so. Thankfully for Seattle, they are going to be getting some other names hitting-wise. Again, yesterday brought the return of reigning American League unanimous rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis, back to the, back to the fray, which he did go hitless. But, and then on top of that, like I said, I'm sure Kelnick's going to be up probably within a month's time. I don't think the team has enough right now to contend for anything. The pitching just isn't quite good enough. We've seen some really good pitching performances from some young guys, but can it be sustained? And my initial reaction, just kind of watching it, is no. Okay, yeah, I was just curious. Um, When it comes to my team, just because I can't be hypocritical and I have to stick with who I project, I projected the Brewers... To, uh, win the Central or ten and seven to nine and six of the Reds. I think they're actually tied for first, but um, they're technically just, they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just feel um, if you exactly what you said, Mac, and kind of hinted at it. If they add some guys near the deadline when they stay in this um structure now, um, how they're pitching really well, and even Hauser is a I think he's their third starter is pitching fairly well to start the season as well. So you have, if you can get depth from that, that would be great. Their bullpen is obviously pretty damn good, and then if your lineup with Yelich and Keston here, especially that young kid, can actually start hitting more consistently, that would help you as well. I think you're going to need help in your line up at the deadline but i feel like they're do that being in it and they're pitching will hold them up just like max said they're at a plus 22 run differential you don't just get that by accident so i feel like the brewers for me um they're a team that's good is not a faker they're actually a maker and gonna make it where the reds are always a team i know my one good friend's a reds fan uh that tend to disappoint you at times too so if there's a team in the central that's going to be at the front and then go Exactly what Alex said about the Mariners. No offense to Reds fans, but that's probably the Reds. So I, I'm going to stick because I like how they're actually playing this year, albeit not having enough hitting. Um, similar to the, how the Giants don't have enough hitting but are still doing well, um, except for home runs. They hit home runs, but if you look at their average, it sucks. Um, the Brewers are figuring out ways because of pitching and then just getting key hits to win games. So if you can keep doing that, other things will come and you can get people at the deadline because it's going to behoove your uh, general manager, I would hope, um, to get people at the deadline. Otherwise, he's not doing his job correctly. Um, When it comes to another team, my only other one would be just because I had them in second and I might have overestimated. I'll have to see as time goes on. The Twins, just because they're more hitting than pitching, I have been happy. Uh, I don't know if they're finishing first, but just for where I had them structured before the season, I have been happy with what I've seen from uh, the 9-7 and seven, uh, Royals, especially watching my fantasy catcher Salvador Perez kill everybody out there. 
Um, but uh, Singer's pitched good when he came uh, this year again, and I think they're a team. I really like uh, Kyle Isbell out there as well as a prospect, and then you have Benny out there too now, so that draws me to watch them. Um, they're a team that I think is a little bit better than people even thought coming in, so I could see them. I don't know if they're finished first in the division, don't get me wrong, but I could see them. I had them finishing second, compete, and be somewhere, whether they're in it or not, within three games of that wild court race and put together a very fun season uh, for their fans. So I, I really like what I've seen from them this far as well. You know, um, so I'm, I'm just going to hit on a couple things you just mentioned there. Um, you know, I think the Brewers and the Royals can both be very exciting teams, but what is it? The thing is the Royals pitching uh, outside of Danny Duffy is just not very good this year. Um, Brady Singer has been all right, I guess, 3.77. But Brad Keller has gotten shelled. His ERA is up at 12. Mike Myers at 5.17. Their bullpen just overall isn't good. They have a team ERA of 4.47 right now. Um, then you go and look at their That's mostly hitting. because of Keller and Miner getting shelled, though, which I feel like, in my view, is not going to continue to happen. Like, I like... Yeah. What I've seen as a growth from Keller, the Miner's a veteran that I feel like will at least pitch to like a high three or exactly a four eventually, yeah. so that'll bring it back down. I feel like that's not going to continue. That's yeah. why I well, feel their team that will stay there. Yeah, but. I understand that, but my concern is also, and this is the same concern I have about the Brewers, is the bullpen. Um, Greg Holland has been pretty pretty rough this year. Um, he's already allowed three homers in seven innings. Um the rest of that bullpen, Kyle Zimmer's been all right, I guess, 4.22. Barlow's good. Barlow's been nice. Junis has been all right. Um, oh, he's kind of a swing man. And then Jake Newberry's struggled. Uh, I'm really high on uh, Josh Stomont. I hope they give him more uh, closer reps. Uh, he's a fireballer. Um, it's the same concern I have about the Brewers. The Brewers have really been getting by. Um, you know, their starting pitching has been fantastic. Burns. Woodruff, Peralta, Anderson, and Hauser. Yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. I think it just, for me, I also, when they moved him to the pen, um, and my one friend, Zach, his second team is first is the Philly, but second is um, Kansas City, so we'll talk about them a bit. Uh, Zimmer just seemed like a guy that was smart to move to the pen, so I feel like he'll go oh, 100%. into the threes, and then if this Zuber kid that came up, I think I said his name correctly, but the 25-year-old right-hander who pit very good in his first four, and Stolmach can bring in some energy to that pen, that'll help them going forward, and then you're going to have to wean out eventually if they keep struggling, uh, the Jake Newberries and other people of the world. Yeah. But uh, and Wade Davis as a veteran, but that's something you can do if you're competitive. I feel like similar to what I said about the Brewers, it would just behoove them to fix whatever holes they have because they're staying. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. I think the Royals are definitely a team that's on the upswing. Um, you know, their offense is very top heavy right now. I mean, Perez, Santana, and Merrifield are really the only guys who are hitting uh, a lot. But I think that. They're definitely improving. I think they're still a couple years away from really contending, but I like the direction they're headed in. Um, and then the Brewers, I mean, outside of Josh Hader, their bullpen, I mean, Devin Williams has been a disaster this year. Um, he's already allowed more runs in four two-thirds innings than he did all of last year. So I'm, I really want to see him step it up. Um, I think the Brewers could improve for sure. 
their offense has been all right. Um, not that good. They really need to get uh, Yelich going once he's healthy. And um, I want to see more out of them. Isn't uh, a big thing there, though? Wouldn't Williams be a guy like we just addressed with Kansas City that I feel like just from his pure stuff, probably unless if you're just coaching him. I, I hope so. Should be able to get it back. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think he can get it back. It's just I'm not sure he's as good as he was last year. That was the thing. That's my okay. same concern about Trevor Bauer over in Los Angeles, you know. I Bauer feel like that's fantastic last year. Like you're never gonna be as good. Like I think the best way to put stuff with that is you're never gonna be as good as your best year. Like yeah. if you striding to do that, you're just gonna burn yourself out because that's just not usually possible. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Unless your name is Mike Trout, I mean, which you well, just Mike Trout. Well, just... unless yeah, unless if you're like one of the best people of all time, but that's a little bit different. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, there's a couple teams I do uh, sort of buy into. Um, the first of which is the Boston Red Sox. Um, I said before the season, don't sleep on Boston, and uh, you know people were, were probably laughing at that take after that first weekend when they got swept by the Orioles. But since then. They've gone 12 and three. I mean, they've looked like a complete unit out there. Um, you got guys like JD Martinez, who's off to a raging hot start. He hit three homers in a game. Um, you got Xander Bogarts, who maybe isn't hitting for much power right now, but he's saying 393. You have Alex Verdugo starting to heat up. He's when he gets going, he's going to be fantastic. Um, you also have, um, Rafael Devers is starting to heat up again. Uh, Vasquez started hitting again, too. Yeah, Vasquez. Um, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck hasn't gone deep yet, but he looks like he's starting to wake up a little bit. Um, Kike Hernandez. Um, oh, Christian Arroyo, too. He's all the same. Oh, yeah, Arroyo, Arroyo's hitting well. I mean, uh, overall, their, their pitching, uh, Matt Barnes has been fantastic. Um, Matt Andres, uh, Hirokazu Sawamura, um, Dar- Darwinson Hernandez, Garrett Whitlock. I mean, uh, Phillips Valdez, I mean, so many guys are playing well for them that, you know, this is a team, they're the, they're the only team in the majors to have scored 100 runs so far. That's through 18 games. I think the Red Sox, maybe they're not division winners. I mean, there's no way the Yankees are going to be this bad all year. They're 6-10. and 10. Um, I think the Blue Jays and the Rays both could potentially pass them. And those, you know, the Blue Jays have dealt with a bunch of injuries. They've lost Springer. They've lost Merriweather. They've lost Yates. I mean... They're they're very injury riddled right now too. Th- them and the Yankees. Uh, and then you got the Rays who don't have Nick Anderson yet. You know, they're those are teams that I'm sure will pick it back up. But right now, I think um, of these sort of surprise league le- uh, division leaders right now. If there's one that's gonna hang on to their lead, it's gonna be the Red Sox. Um, yeah, Mac. Just real quick, since they're a team I obviously watch most of their games, being my secondary team. The only question I have with them is. I trust Evaldi coming off of his ending season. I feel like he's trending right. Oh, yeah, he's looked fantastic right now. you have Erod and him. Pavetta has, if you just look at his surface numbers, okay stats, but his walk-to-K ratio still sucks. Um, So if he can get going better, that would be good. Garrett Richards' experiment doesn't seem to be working. And then Martin Perez is just Martin Perez. Well, so, I'm a big like, fan of Tanner Houck, honestly. Yeah, Tanner, um, Tanner Houck, I really like. I think they just, just put in the damn rotation and stop trying to use these guys that they're experimenting with. But that that's just um, the way it is. But I think Boston, when it comes to if you can get him, you just have three deep. But I still think they're another team, similarly to other teams were mentioned, that might want to acquire another pitcher as a starter. And also, potentially maybe even as a reliever, because you're going to want Adovino to get going if he struggles still. 
Uh, Whitlock's been a great pickup for them as a youngster out of the bullpen, just dominating in his nine innings. And then a guy like Austin Bryce has not been very good since they brought him in. So I feel like, for me, I love what they're doing, and they've surprised me. I, I had them third in their team I like, so I'm very happy with what they're doing. I feel like it's going to come down to will they do what they need to do in order to stay up there. And I don't – I want to see it more from this new management where if Dombrowski was still there who just does everything to stay up there – then I would be like, well, yeah, they're going to do whatever the heck it takes to stay up there. But now I want to see how this management kind of does with, okay, how do we stay up here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there is one thing, though, about that rotation. And I hate to pull, pull a page out of Brody Van Wagenen's book, but uh, Chris Sale is supposedly going to come back at some point this summer. And that is going to be sort of like – you know, trading for another arm. Um, uh, Sale, when he's healthy, is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, obviously, he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery. So I think when he, he comes back, that will definitely help solidify that rotation. Um, and then the other team um, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on is obviously, you know, it's my New York Mets. Um, the Mets have had a bunch of problems this year you know they've had a bunch of games postponed they've only played in 12 games so far but you know looking at their team their pitching has been fantastic um specifically their starting pitching uh, they have a team era of 2.87 which is fourth best in baseball right now um outside of there's one start that uh david peterson had against the phillies that kind of went poorly and uh, other than that, I think the starting pitching has been just phenomenal. It's better than uh, anything that the, the team could have asked for. You know, they have DeGrom dealing. Uh, Marcus Stroman has been really good. Taiwan Walker has looked pretty nice. Uh, they're going to get Carlos Carrasco and Noah Slovar One question I have for you pertaining to your starting pitching, though, Mac, is since the yeah. two guys that are struggling are both your lefties in Lucchesi and uh, Pet Peterson this far. Yeah, uh, well— what do you think of how good Steven Matz is doing for Toronto? <laughs> oh, Steven, I'm really happy for Steven Matz. I, you know, I feel like Matz may have just needed to get out of New York. Um, okay, so you don't think he would have been able to come back like he is in Toronto if you kept him since your two lefties are the ones that are struck. I, I just, Matt, Matz, I just, I don't, I don't know if he was meant to be in New York. I mean, he's a hometown kid, but like whenever he got into trouble, it'd be like, a guy gets on base and all of a sudden he would just unravel completely. And it was really, really concerning. Um, I think now that he's in Toronto, he's, he's going to succeed. Um, he's off to a hot start and it probably isn't the end of it. But anyway, my thing is that uh, David Peterson has only really had one bad inning. Um, he left four runs in the first start against the Phillies. It was all in the first inning. Other than that, he, he settled down. I mean, his last start against the Phillies, he only allowed three hits, one run, and struck out 10. I think we're going to see more of that. I'm not saying he's going to be an ace-type pitcher, but I think he's going to be fine. Uh, Lucchese is more of a placeholder, I think, right now for until they get Syndergaard and Carrasco back. I think once they get those guys back, I mean, this is a rotation that could definitely help them get uh, make a deep run into October. Um, you guys still have Yamamoto too, right? On your oh yeah, Yamamoto's but... in the minors right now. Though. Okay, got um, it. And eventually they're going to get Seth Lugo back and Drew Smith. Um, 
they just have so many arms that are going to be coming back at some point. There's going to have to be roster moves, but I mean, that pitching staff has a ton of potential. And my concern, obviously, right now is the offense. They have scored the fewest runs in baseball, but think of it this way they're seven and five right now. Um, once this team starts hitting, they're going to be scary. Um, you know, it's not like Francisco Lindor is going to stay down forever. Um, I saw something earlier that historically he's been a slow starter. So I'm not too concerned about. He has. He has. I watch intentional talk and I hear Chris Rose, uh, you know, uh, banter yeah. about it when he was still on there a good bit when I've watched that show. Yeah, so, yeah and I'm not too concerned about that, really. I think that he'll get it together. Um, Michael Conforto is off to a slow start. Um, basically, almost that whole lineup outside of. J.D. Davis, who just came off of an injury, outside of J.D. Davis and Brandon Nimmo, a lot of them are off to slow starts. But I think, you know, I don't think this is much of a cause for concern right now. Um, if, you know, if you ask me that same question, say it's the end of May and they're still struggling with the offense, that's when I'm a bit more concerned. But right now, I think the Mets, you know, they're off to an all right, albeit inconsistent start. I think that um, they're going to start getting going and... Um, I think this is definitely a team, you know, in a division that really looks like they just keep tripping over themselves. I mean, the Phillies won five of six to start the year. Uh, they won today, so they're at nine and nine, but they won five of six. And since Andrew then, Nat, baby. Yeah, a, a, since then, they've lost eight of 12. Um, the Braves are off to a slow start. The Nationals look pretty rough. I think that this is the Mets division to lose. Mac, I agree uh, with you about the Mets division. I just had a question because you touched on your hitters and how you think they're bounced back. Is there one guy that you're more concerned about than anyone else right now when it comes to fully bouncing back from a hitter perspective, or do you just think everybody will bounce back? Oh, no. Um, If there is one guy I am probably the most concerned about, and this – I hate – I really hate that I'm saying this because – I've defended him for so many years, but uh, Michael Conforto, man, um, this is a contract year for him. Uh, there have been a lot of talks about extensions and whatnot, and he just he's behind every fastball that's thrown. He keeps fishing out of the zone. Um, uh, if yeah, I'm definitely the most concerned about him. Uh, I really hope that the contract talks aren't getting to him because – this is a guy who's supposed to be one of the best hitters on the team. And it's just, he, he can't get himself going right now. It looks like he had a couple of nice games in Colorado over the weekend, but. Um, Which is a place I mean, you think you can get yourself going in, but then it didn't translate yet when he left. Colorado. Yeah. No, nah, he, he looked but. lost um, in, uh, he looked lost last night. I mean, the team as a whole is struggling with runners in scoring position. That was a problem last year. Um, I think that, you know, once they get him going, once they get Lindor going, I think, you know, I think Lindor for sure can come around. I just really, really hope this isn't a season-long issue for, for Conforto because, you know, I'm not just thinking about the team's well-being. I'm thinking about him, you know, if he underperforms, he's not going to get nearly the contract that he once expected to get. 
Yeah, and really would probably deserve in the end because this is a down season, but you would expect him to bounce back. So if you get him on the cheap because of a down season, he's then going to be worth what you probably would expect in the end. So I agree with you on that. It would be unfortunate for him if he can't get going. He, even being on the Mets, is a player that I've always just liked how he can make contact with the ball usually, but still have that power that you're just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So uh, those are always the fun players. To watch my guy would definitely be for my team Andrew McCutcheon just because he's starting to look like he's just kind of washed and I, I hate to say that because I love Andrew McCutcheon but he's starting to look like he's kind of washed he dropped the fly ball today that was right in his glove um, well, he, he, he is getting been, up there it, in age yeah I know but I'm saying like some guys like we talked about guys that age like a fine wine unfortunately for my Phillies I don't think Andrew McCutcheon is one of those guys so it, it, he's a guy that I would point to as the most concerning because you already have the big and then center field is a concern as a whole but there's not one guy you can point to um you have then two big outfield holes so that's why i would uh, point to him uh being the most concerning uh where alex you haven't got the talk for a while so who would be your most concerning guy on the mariners to get you in here (laughs) hello i exist again no um no honestly that was that was a really good debate so i'm really um, so I'm okay to not talk for that. Um, for the Mariners, I think overall my number one most concern I've already brought him up is uh, Marco Gonzalez. Gonzalez is supposed to be the ace on a young t- on a team that's honestly very 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 young. To see is like the guy that is supposed to be anchoring that rotation, the the guy that has spent the most time on that rotation of everybody. I don't know, like I'm. Finally starting to have some doubts about him because I've been having a couple doubts about Marco. Do I think that he's the ace of the future? No. Do I think that he is the ace of right now? Sadly still, yes. But he really needs to get it in gear again. When he's on, we have seen him throw. So I go, we've seen him go the distance. We've seen him get swing and miss stuff, but also be able to limit fly balls. He's been able to use that sinker ball effectively in order to get good ground ball outs. And that's what he needs to get back to doing. He has a really good arsenal of a good a good sinker cutter, too. That's actually really fun to watch him use. But the thing that he needs to be able to do is he needs to stop getting in his own head. He's overcomplicating a lot of the things with the game. He needs to just take what he's got. He has a good young team around him that's actually very good defensively. Again, we were talking about earlier that there was the first game of the two games set against the Dodgers where the Mariners had not one, not two, but three web gems in the game. The first by Evan White, the second by uh, by Mitch Hanniger, who made a sliding catch that looked about as smooth as butter. And then the leaping Superman grab by Dylan Moore, who I've really come to love over the past season and a half. I think overall with this team, Marco needs to get it together for this team to really be able to work around him going forward. Cause otherwise the team's go the team's uh, starting rotation is going to be a ship without a captain. That makes sense. And Marco needs to get it together though, since you too know about this guy now, what do you think about flexing actually starting the season fairly well? I'm so happy that he's starting well because after talking with Mac and looking at everything else, I was scared. I I've gone on with uh, I've gone record talking with people that Chris Flexen is the wild card. We have no idea what we're gonna get because you saw what happened. Mac's very well, uh, very well uh, acquainted to how well he did. Uh, yes, yes. 
And then we see him in Korea and he did fantastic. So what are you going to get when he comes back to baseball? Are you going to get the Mets uh, flexing or are you going to get the Flexen that was promoted? And they touted, Seattle has touted Chris Flexen like they have found a diamond in the rough. Or, so they're trying, we're trying to think of, okay, how much bull is that? And how much is that going to be, all right, we're just trying to make everyone look good. We're trying to hype everyone up. And so far, it's looked good. Chris Lexton has looked actually pretty darn solid so far for Seattle. He's looked great. He only has four walks, too, where the diamond in the rough that the Red Sox have tried to tout of Pavetta from my Phillies is 14 and 11 when it comes to 14 Ks to 11 walks. So not exactly there yet. So, yeah, I agree with you. He's killing it right now. Yeah, and I do I think that he's going to be a future ace? No, but I do think that he is definitely someone that is going to help really anchor the rotation a little bit more. Uh, just because, again, from him, 16 innings pitched for, uh, excuse me, for Flexen overall and ERA of just 3.38. That's, uh, man, aside from Nick Morgisevich, I think who has right now an ERA 5, excuse me, an ERA 5.40. And Marco Gonzalez has the worst ERA of that team, and Flexen has the best. And they technically do have a sixth starter, but that sixth starter was Paxton, so now they're back down to five. Um, so right now, I think that with Flexen, with how he's done, I think that you know he's going to be a guy that they're going to try to rely on a little bit more this season. I think the main thing that needs to happen, though, is that since this is just a very small sample size, just a few games, I think they're going to try press him a little bit. See what happens when you take that stone and put it under immense pressure. Is it going to crumble or turn into a diamond? And for Flexen, I sure hope that he becomes that diamond. Yeah. Um, I watched Flexen pitch in person when he was with the Mets. Um, he made, I'm pretty sure I saw him make a spot start against the Tampa Bay Rays, and he got shelled. Um, I believe he had six runs in three innings. He was basically throwing batting practice to the Rays. Um, I really yeah, hope Mac, that I want to apologize to you because I've been at those too. Whenever you go to games and it's a spot store for somebody, you're just like, should I even bother driving to this game? Like, is it even worth it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I hope Flexen really does bounce back. And it is nice to see uh, that he's off to a nice start. Um, so anyway... Uh, His walk-up song, just as a last thing, definitely. Wait, what what is it? It should be Flexecution by Logic. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, perfect well, song. Hundred percent be Flexecution. Yes, that Logic. would that would do it. Oh, so, um, can I pitch that now to the mayor's front office? Can we just? Can I pitch that now? So that yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yes, just do it now. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, just uh, one final, I guess, one final segment to wrap up the show is that we're going to do this thing where we're going to check in on who the league leaders are throughout the season. So I'm just going to rattle off some of the major categories here. So um, on the batting side, we have leading league in batting average and home runs is Ronald Acuna. Uh, RBIs, we have J.D. Martinez. On base percentage, we have Mike Trout. Uh, slugging percentage and OPS, we also have Ronald Acuna. Uh, so those are some of those major categories. Also, shout out to Javier Baez with 31 strikeouts in uh, 60 at-bats this year. That's um, honestly, I'd, I'd be proud of that accomplishment. Um, and then on the pitching side, uh, 
ERA, uh, we've already discussed this, Corbin Burns, who only has a slight lead over Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Rodon um, in that category. Strikeouts, Shane Bieber, uh, once again, leading the field. Um, saves, we have Jake McGee and Mark Melanson leading the field. Um, so, taking a look at all this, uh, oh, and leading the league in whip, obviously, is also Corbin Burns. Looking at all this, yeah, who's sustaining? Who's sus- so who's sustaining their lead here? Um, there's a lot of uh, good, uh, great players on here, but there's also going to be some guys who definitely tail off. Uh, who do we think is hanging on to what they have? Well, as pitchers, it's clearly I think Burns and uh, Shane Bieber clearly have it, where both are up top two in strikeouts. Where they'll be there with Cole and uh, the other two probably the whole season, and Musgrove and Bauer who are top round out the top five. But I think those two easily can finish the top two in the league in strikeouts with their stuff. You talked about Burns' cutter. Uh, Bieber, when uh, I was listening to Pedro yesterday, said he sees vibes of himself. Well, if you're getting that from Pedro Martinez, then, yeah, I think you're a pretty darn good pitcher. So um, he's going to keep it up and keep doing that. An interesting stat I always – Sometimes think now because they pushed it back further, but sometimes looking at the quality start one, that's also Bieber and Burns. They'll probably continue to lead that. One guy that's definitely interesting that's tied for third, though, is Kyle Gibson. Uh, So good for him. Um, But in terms of guys that would tail off, I feel like it's actually not more guys in first place. I feel like it's more the guys that are in second for a lot of these leading stats because I could easily see the guys in first um, being guys that stay up there, even Urias as a young uh, stud pitcher, where guys that are like uh, Wilson Ramos, who's tied for second in home runs, I don't necessarily obviously see at the end of the season, uh, no offense to him, but being tied for second in home runs. And even though I really like Radone and, and Danny Duffy, I don't see those two being top five in the right. I see them both pitching well this year, looking like bounce back guys. But I see Burns and DeGrom and then a Bieber probably coming up there at the ERA and then a Rendon and Duffy just being those good three-something ERAs uh, by the time the season rounds out. So I feel like the guys that will fall out of the tops are more just in the top five with the top guys for a lot of these stats. I could easily see staying as the top guys or the top two, but that's just my opinion on it. I think overall my – the 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 – the true people that are going to stay there are going to be, I mean, they're going to be uh, Burns and Bieber. I just think that Bieber, what we've seen from him, he's really making, I don't want to say making me a believer because I already was a believer in him. That's, um, he just knows how a to believe A believer? Down. Nope, I was not going to go there, Mac. I was not going to I go there. I was thinking of saying I fought my too. mind. Yeah, I it's just fought saying. making that reference. I refuse to make that reference. Uh, but Bieber has he really might fight shown... you if you make that reference too, because he doesn't like that either. Remember, he would have not Justin Bieber or whatever it was. Or yep. That thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, not Justin. Yes. Yeah, not Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm, I'm showing respect to Shane by not making the reference there. But no, he's been absolutely fantastic, and he's picking up right where he left off in 2020. And then Corbett Burns has just been absolutely lights out. I think those two are probably the most realistic to stay in place with what they've got. Um, one guy that I do want to make sure people are kind of watching, and of course, I mean, it's not really say much because he is a big name, but Julio Urias 
has been absolutely strong this season. And in a bulk as a, and in a starting rotation for the Dodgers, that includes names such as Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Trevor Bauer. Urias kind of gets lost in the shuffle and during the postseason last year really made his name known. And for those of you that watched the Seattle Mariner versus uh, Dodgers matchup the other day, he pitched a, he pitched a shutout. I mean, he only gave up, I think, three hits or no, it was only a one hit, I believe. Urias is a guy that I think really is going, he could keep up here and keep getting those wins from it. I just want to see more. I want to see him do it more consistently, but I think that he's going to be steadily raising up that leaderboard. Yeah, um, those guys are definitely all off to great starts. Uh, Urias, uh, I wasn't sure if he was actually going to be in the Dodgers rotation this year. I know they sort of used him as the swing man last year. He recorded the last out of both the NLCS and World Series. So um, it's good to see that he is in the rotation and doing well. Um, anyways... The guys, so you guys both said um, definitely pitching-wise for sure. Burns and Bieber will definitely be up there. Um, the thing is that uh, Bieber leads in strikeouts, but Jacob deGrom has 35 strikeouts already through just 20 innings. That's uh, a strikeout rate of 15.75 Ks per nine. This is a starting pitcher, by the way. Um, uh, deGrom... In his second start of the year, struck out 14 and in eight innings. In his last start, he struck out 14 in only six innings. Uh, at one point, he struck out nine batters in a row. Uh, that is a guy who I think will end up passing Bieber, honestly. Um, I think at least those guys are going to be one and two. Uh, as for the ERA title, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Corbin Burns uh, took that. I think Burns has shown how dominant he can be and that, you know, again, that might be uh, a Burns one and then either a DeGrom or a Glasnow, too. I think those guys are definitely going to uh, keep it keep it up. Um, and then I'm going to take a look at the batting side for a second. Um, obviously, Ronald Cooney is hitting 419 uh, this year. He's basically a one-man wrecking crew for a very struggling team. Um, J.D. Martinez, obviously, 20 RBIs. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the RBI statistic, but that's a big number. And then Mike Trout, I think Mike Trout... Um, this may sound boring. Mike Trout, I think, is going to end up leading the league in OPS again. Um, he's already at a 522 on base percentage. Um, his batting average after he got two more hits today, he's up at 400. I mean, this guy, he's amazing. Um, he's Mike Trout. What can I say? Uh, six homers also. Um, man, that Angels lineup, when they are fully healthy with Otani and Trout and Jared Walsh. Yeah, and six Rodone, homers time with about 7 million people in the league. Yeah, for, uh, second place. Yeah. yeah, and Otani went deep today too. I mean, Jared Walsh has been tearing the cover off the ball. Man, that that team. If only they had pitching, they'd be so good. But regardless, those guys. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys hang on to their leads. And um, Trout, he's he's Mike Trout. I don't know what else more to say about him. Um, yeah, I mean, to, but there is a guy in the top. Um, just to make those Kevin Millar outlandish predictions that somehow usually do end up sticking. So hopefully I have the success rate of him. Um, but a guy that's really good at hitting on your team, that's second in Nimmo, I wouldn't be surprised if when it comes for batting average, he's still up in the top five. He's just, I feel like he has that good of a contact. Approach. I, I, um, 
I'm not or sure. Maybe in the top, more likely maybe top 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's in top five. Yeah, you know, I think that with Nimmo, I think if there's going to be a category he's up there and it's going to be on base percentage, I think Nimmo, his one flaw is he strikes out a lot, um, but he's a perfect leadoff hitter. He gets on base, he can run. Uh, when he needs to hit for power, he'll hit for power. No, he does um, strike out a lot, but I'm saying yeah. you, you don't hit 395 to start the season by accident. So around his strikeouts, he's getting on yeah. base and then getting hit still. So I feel like if you can kind of round that out and get it more consistent, your contact rate, um, a lot of guys have been striking out a lot early um, around the league. Well, then yeah. that, that can kind of round itself out. That's why I feel like he has a chance to be – um, top 10 more likely, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's somewhere in that top five. I don't think he'll be second at the end of the season, but somewhere in the top five. Oh, yeah, but I think on, on base percentage is, is definitely his uh, his thing. I mean, it's, um, you know, he's, you know, he, he gets on base, he walks, he he gets hits, he, he gets hit by pitch a lot. I mean, I think that He'll, he'll probably be up there in on-base percentage. Uh, one, one last thing before uh, we uh, head to the wrap-up. Um, Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout are also 1-2 and two in war right now. Um, Acuna at 1.4, Trout at 1.2, tied with uh, Byron Buxton, Ryan McMahon, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, man, this is... We, we've seen some crazy starts, um, and... I, I just I think that these guys all uh, most most of them I think will hang on to what they're doing. So, um, yeah. Uh, any any other final thoughts on uh, on this topic before we uh, we wrap up the show? Um, or, and this can be about anything we've discussed today. Actually, I think uh, one for just uh, a wrap up on guys that are leaders. Is I know Alex, um, one of your guys, one of your favorite guys that took a while to come back on the field. Hanniger is top five at twenty three, mm. uh, for hits leaders. Um, so, uh, that's just nice to see. Uh, just for a good story, as my final thought, somebody yeah. that came back from a long absence, uh, to be able to come right back in and be that spark plug energy guy that he's been his entire career, leader of a team, um, as a good role in your lineup player. He's not going to be the guy that catalysts your team, but he's a good guy to have in your lineup. Um, it's nice to see that from him. Yeah. For, for Hanegar again, missing over 400 days, it, it had been, I believe about 500 days since his last appearance on a baseball field when he made his debut this year, uh, just because he kept having complications with his injury. So it's, it is really good to see Hanegar back. And it also, it gives the Mariners a good problem now because when you have all of your outfielders healthy or ready to come up, now you have five good outfielders that you don't know what to do with. And that's going to make the decision-making a lot harder. You're the well, new Dodgers. You're the yeah. new Dodgers with your outfield when they had oh, basically totally. uh, what's-his-name uh, there still. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but, I mean, Trammell has looked pretty good since, come, it's like, since starting out the year on the main squad. Kelnick is supposed to be coming up fairly soonish. Kyle Lewis is Kyle Lewis. There's a lot of names here that are now that have been making their way into the fold. And Hanager, I'll be honest here, a lot of as I, a lot of me was thinking here that you know is his time done as a Mariner, and he's coming back and saying, "Yeah, well, no." <laughs> I honestly and, forgot. I, I honestly forgot he was still playing. I mean, 
he was out for so long. He didn't play at all last year, right? I mean, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he got injured no, in the 2019 all. season yeah. with um, injuries in the areas that I refuse to mention. Yeah, yeah, that just yeah, yeah. Worse yeah, no, worse. no, no. Yeah. Yeah, we, we and then he kept, kept getting injured. Yeah, no, I, I straight up, I mean, I, I had him on my fantasy team, and then um, I didn't protect him coming into this year because I didn't think he was still active. Um, well, yeah, he is still active, and he's coming back, and – I mean, here's the thing with him is that he's definitely a hitter first, but that catch he made the other day, smooth as butter. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel yeah, like he's I mean, always he, been an underrated field. I didn't mean to I feel like he's a nice fielder, yeah. Yeah. He can, he's definitely he, a hitter, though, first. Obviously, he's a corner guy now, but I feel like in the past he's shown uh, flashes of being a good fielder. So, um, with that, uh, you know, my final thought just on everything is, you know, um, it, obviously, it is great. Baseball's back. Um, I feel like I say that almost every show, but um, same. It, it's it's just. I mean, I. It finally, you know, I've gotten to the point where even you know, just Monday morning when the Red Sox are playing at eleven a.m., I didn't didn't really have anything to do. I was just watching that game uh, for the early part of the day. Um, but with that, uh, I say we, uh, you know, well, I, I guess my one final thing is that you know it's a long season um if your team is off to a slow start i wouldn't necessarily panic um if your team is off to a hot start i mean keep riding that high um uh, you know may- maybe they don't uh, sustain it but um i i definitely think there is reasons to get excited for for every uh ball club uh right right around now mm-hmm. but uh with that uh we're gonna wrap up the show here um, I want to thank uh, each and every one of you for listening. Um, I want to thank Alex and Joe for coming on uh, again. Of course, it's uh, always, always fun. Um, you can follow Alex on Twitter at the sports guy, two, four, two. You can follow Joe on Twitter at JJ Bork 26. You can follow myself at Matthias underscore a underscore K. Uh, don't forget to follow the overtime heroics baseball uh, Twitter at baseball underscore OTH. And don't forget to uh, follow the cheap seats, Twitter at OTH underscore cheap seats. Uh, let us know what you guys think on the beginning of the season. Um, let us know if you agree or disagree with us and all that other, uh, all that other great, uh, you know, all, all that other good stuff. Um, but with that, uh, I've been your host, Matthias Altman Kurosaki. Uh, And I hope to see you all real soon.
Sorry.